and welcome to a bonus edition of the Cairo London podcast. This edition consists of Adam Woolley and myself discussing the M25 loop that we did on our bicycles. So yep, that was a 300 kilometer bike ride we did for charity for the Duchenne's UK muscular dystrophy charity. We decided it'd be a good idea just to set off one Wednesday morning on our bikes, just two of us, and do a ride that basically took us nine and a half hours, and we got into all sorts of mischief. But look, only listen to this if you are a bike nerd into numbers, into learning about kit and planning and routes and nutrition and preparation for an event like this. Um, but hopefully if you are into that, you'll enjoy. So sit back and relax for, yes, 53 minutes of bike chat. <laughs> we thought we'd sit back on a Sunday afternoon, no, Saturday afternoon, have a little glass of wine. Hello. There this he is. is. <laughs> you kind of blend into the background there. Are you? Uh, I'm grown, uh, mounted grown... on a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> Long story. Brilliant. Reindeer and I had a falling out, and now I uh, wear him like a coat. It's like it's like story time with um, <laughs> someone very scary. Yes. Um, anyway, hey, uh, this is a that, that was a mad idea of uh, what we did the other day. Anyway, well, I take no credit for this idea. Um, I just uh, it, it seemed like a terrible idea. So the answer was, when do we start? <laughs> so uh, we're obviously talking about our lap of the M25, 300K yeah. on Wednesday. And look, we're already getting uh, asks for some shout outs here from Cam Fraser, who's giving us some grief <laughs> at the very bottom. <laughs> He's uh, making fun of my haircut. It was, uh, this is a lockdown bod job. So, uh, hey, we've, you've got to do what you've got to do at the moment. You literally did your entire day on Wednesday without taking off your helmet. And I didn't even notice that you didn't. <laughs> it, was, it was motivated by shame. <laughs> uh, I didn't spot it. It was very funny. Um, anyway, hey, look, I just sort of run through some stats about the 300Ks. I wrote them down. I've taken notes. Okay. For, I saw you were using your son's calculator. Yes. Well, <laughs> so you, you asked you asked a scientist uh, to help you with your calorie count. I literally asked a mad scientist, my twelve-year-old boy Lockie, <laughs> because that was of all the comments we got from our ride. It was, um, hang on a minute, you only used one thousand three hundred calories for nine and a half hours of cycling. Um, there wasn't any accusatory uh, sort of tone but on any of those comments, was there? Meaning suggesting that I was on an electric bike or something? Or like foul play of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that. I think people want I, to know how many calories really. I think there was just a lot of disappointment that, hang on, well, I'm obviously not going to ride nine and a half hours on my bike ever <laughs> if I only burn 1,300 calories. I can sit on the sofa and burn 2,000. So, yeah. um, uh, what? Exactly. 
<laughs> so yeah, we'll go through those calculations in a moment, but let's just write it down. 300 Ks, nine and a half hours, average speed, 31.6 Ks an hour, average heart rate, 130, average power. Now, I always get a bit confused by this. Training Peaks basically says it was a 237 watt average and a normalized of 241, but Strava put down 217. Strava doesn't 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 rate us. I don't know. I'm sure there is a, a reason for that. I haven't looked into that. But for those um, nerds out there, it was also three watts a kilo for the whole day. Average temperature of 16 degrees, which was just perfect cycling weather. Um, 2,600 meters of climbing, which there was never really a hill. Not really. There was a there was a couple of early danger signs. Uh, we're like, ooh, if it carries on like this, I've noticed that uh, Tobias Dalhouse has just joined us. Uh, perfect timing, Tobias, for the uh, the statistics. Uh, he'll have questioned that uh, that calorie count immediately. So, I think he you know, might have been one of uh, one of the originals to have actually uh, said something. I can't remember. Obviously, <laughs> there was quite a few messages on the day, and I was a little you know, trying to take some of them in, but um, it was hard. Uh, and uh, just lastly, TSS of 482, which uh, is a good week's worth of tier training stress <laughs> score for those that um, like a bit of TSS. Um, anyway, but going back to calories, yes, uh, apparently 1,300 calories according to Strava, but the calculations that I have here, <laughs> based on the formula of with your scientific of... advisor <laughs> <laughs> well it was very funny because i'm i'm like okay i i think i had one of those crazy dreams overnight and sort of like okay i gotta i gotta work it out i gotta i gotta work out actually what the calorie count was um and so i googled it uh wahoo calorie counter or something and uh, it, it actually came up with this formula which was based on heart rate so apparently wahoo does calculate your calorie use every second based on what your heart rate is and also okay. based on your age and your weight and they do this weird very well it looks like a mathematical student's nightmares formula to actually come up with what the actual use was per minute which for those who are into numbers was 12 calories per minute. So then, so that was for me and my average heart rate. I just did the average throughout the whole day, which was 130. So then nine and a half hours multiplied by, which equals 570 minutes, 12 by 570 is 7,000. So apparently Sounds about right. 7,000 is about right. Uh, and I guess you add the 2,000 of your basal metabolic rate anyway, and then... Um, Goes from there. Oh, hang on a minute. We have an answer yeah, from a viewer. Just in. We also so Strava includes power zeros, but the true measure of power is to not include zeros. That's why Strava power is lower. Thank you, Dr. Cameron Fraser. So yeah, every free will is zero power. So um, that sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's. Uh, have you worked out how many slices of pizza that is? Yeah, see, unfortunately, no. Well, Zwift obviously gives you numbers of pizza burned, but we'll have no. to we'll have to come back with that later. 
If uh, one of our listeners can calculate how many pizzas we can eat on 7,000 calories, that'd be good. Then we'll, we'll, we'll call up Domino's right now. <laughs> I, I definitely ate a lot that next day. How about you? <laughs> the permahunger. Uh, I, I, in fact, uh, Fiorella just joined. She uh, made me a lovely bowl of pasta the next day. I uh, dropped in to see those guys and uh, met, she made me a huge bowl of pasta. So much love. Really? Is that yeah. a, a local uh, resident to the uh, No, no, I was traipsing across country, but uh, we, we kept distance. <laughs> but you still ate the pasta, which is great. <laughs> hey, now going back to this crazy idea, and you, as you said at the start, um, what I loved about um, whenever I had to chat to you about it was you kept referring to it as, well, it is just like a bike ride. We are just going and riding our bikes, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, oh, here we go. Cameron's updating us with uh, pizza. Come on, how many slices of pizza then, uh, Cam? Uh, I don't know. Is that is that a healthy mindset to approach an enormous ride? I mean, I think I said something like, why don't we just do the first 100K and see how it goes? And I think that set off alarm bells in your head. You're like, what do you mean? Turning around after 100K? I was like, but I don't know. Setting out in the morning to ride 300K seems ridiculous but if you think oh it's just another ride you know and let's do the first chunk see how we go and then the next chunk and you know suddenly we're two-thirds of the way around and it's just getting home yeah i mean there was that joke where i'm like okay well i guess if we get a bit tired halfway we can always go yeah turn around and go home right yeah yeah <laughs> which was a slight problem <laughs> Although, actually, I didn't think about this. I guess there's no reason why we couldn't have just gone south and gone home. But um, True. Anyway. Through, uh, through town, but uh, there was no need. Yeah, but, I mean, you are obviously a uh, – the longest ride I'd done before this was 200K in Italy on one of these, like, Grand Fondo things. Yeah. Um, now, what is the longest ride you've ever done in a day? Longest ride I've done – uh so last year with an aussie mate we uh rode we decided to do the real paris roubaix so we rode from central paris to up to roubaix which was 300 and 300 just a little bit over 300 right um and that was that was big it was flat it was much flatter but uh there were some cobbles and they were all stacked at the end so that mm. was uh, that was. So, but, but because you decided to actually finish the job with me, um, meaning at Isha we were planning on separating, and then you were going to ride back down to home, and I was going to come back to mine in, in Clapham, um, and you were down in Cranley, and it would have been about three hundred each. Maybe you would yeah. have done three three ten or something. Um, but you're like, nah, it's drizzling a little bit. It's yeah. like it doesn't feel right to actually no. finish it. Uh, to get really locked together anticlimactic at like 260 270k to just sort of in the rain just like you know head off in different directions I, I was pretty much done and the thought of me then riding from isha down to cranley just to finish it properly have a beer with you then with a beer <laughs> in the belly ride two more hours back up to cranley <laughs> would have definitely seen me lose my sense of humor but uh, I, I was just yeah. focusing on the cold beer. You said you had a cold beer. You told me which one it was. I was excited about it. 
um you know we had a nice beer in the garden and then uh i was looking forward to a shower so it was time to go home uh in answer to tobias let's uh, let's uh, interact with our fans um it was a great route, wasn't it? So let's, uh, we're going to yeah. talk about that. I sort of had this as a, uh, an idea. So let's talk about the route. Um, the, uh, it sort of came about, I literally Googled M25 cycling route. Um, and firstly, a bit of inspiration came up from a guy called Chris Ward. Now, I think he's a journo, but he's, he did a blog on road.cc uh, about his 2016 impromptu three-man lap of the M25, and that's actually where I got a bit of the inspiration from, is reading that blog. Then, um, as time went by, I saw he made a comment to say, look, I only spent about 20 minutes doing the route, and it could have been better. So then I I think it was Cam Fraser who actually then said, you you know there's a sportif, right? And so there is one called the Dulux, Dulux, as in the paint, Dulux London Revolution, which was meant to happen this year on the 26th of September. And that actually does a route um, which goes kind of pretty much up and down Tower Bridge and then the full west of the M25. Uh, and that was meant right. to be a, a, a fairly big event, which has obviously been postponed. Then the last bit of inspiration came from another Kiwi cycling mate of mine, um, Wayne Crombie, who said, uh, you know, there's an Audax cycling challenge, 310 M25 route as well. And so anyway, in, in a nutshell, I basically knew the route from my place to Isha to Windsor. Then I made it up between Windsor and St Albans, and that didn't turn out too badly through Stoke Park and a few other little... That was good. No, like yep. that. Uh, and then from St Albans to all the way down to the bridge, we pretty much stole the uh, Audax route, which was probably some of the best roads in the whole thing. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, those single track country lanes through like wheat fields, that bit in kind of when we got into Essex just seemed really like, they reminded me of home when my parents live up in Suffolk. It's just flat wheat fields, really beautiful countryside and very little... Uh, traffic it felt like we were a long way from uh from london and actually you're just outside the m25 there it's great so that was that audax thing because originally i'd done another route was a bit closer into the m25 but then that encouraged me to push it a little bit higher up and a little bit further yeah. out and then it sort of came around and yeah we ended up at the bridge uh again chris ward the the blog explained how it was fairly straightforward process of calling the phone getting someone to pick you up and then take the bike yeah. over the bridge that was a relatively straightforward process the bike track getting to the telephone was pretty run down yeah it was uh you were very confident at that point and i was following your wheel but uh it was it looked a little bit unloved that's that's true um, but it led us straight to the box, um, <laughs> straight to the tiny telephone. Two, two, one. Yeah. yeah uh, hello. Yeah. Can you come and pick us up? Yeah. We've got two <laughs> bikes and two people. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go. Um, and yeah, it took her a little while because apparently she had to wait for a van to come back from doing something else. And then, but yeah, she arrived within 20 minutes and, yeah. um, for a free service, it was, yeah. uh, it was uh, four and a half stars, I would say. It, uh, you know, worth mentioning the engineers of the QET bridge, possibly when it was built, as we found out, we had a history lesson as we were waiting for it. Um, 1991, I'm pretty sure they still had bicycles, right? 
Uh, what on the bridge? No, as in on the planet. And oh yeah. I, surely a as planner, a planner should have actually thought that maybe the idea of a cycle lane over the bridge wouldn't have been a bad idea. But um, yeah. anyway, they they obviously did their their calculations, worked out a mini bus um, was a, was a better idea. Um, anyway. Um, and then, yeah, so as getting back to finishing off the route, then the route that literally went through Kent was a little bit dodgy through some lanes to start with. But then we decided that with 200 Ks in our legs, the A25 is the quickest and fastest way just to get the hell out of Kent and into Surrey and therefore home. So then we just sort of hammered it down the A25. That was the bit that actually was the climb, wasn't it? It seemed to just kind of gradually go up and up forever. Yeah, it went up for, for a while and uh, both our Wahoos uh, – got tired at that point and decided to reset themselves and that's where our <laughs> calorie count has been uh thrown but i mean they kept recording the distance and everything else so they just forgot about all the calories we'd burn so do you um, think that is the problem i think so because the number of calories sort of works out roughly to where our machines reset themselves me on top of that hill and you at the yeah, the right. final servo servo okay. sanger we talk yeah. about nutrition later yeah, <laughs> we will cover that. But anyway, look, I mean, can't complain. I'm sure uh, I mean, the A25 wasn't too bad. It was like um, the, the roads were much better in the north. But, um, yeah, we just got the job done. And um, yeah, actually, I mean, I, I would say if anyone was wanting to do it, you know, over two, three days and enjoy it, the A25 is not the way to have a nice time. There are some nice roads, I know, you know, south of there, um, they would be slower and the route would be longer, but it would be nicer. Um, but for us at that point, it was, it, I think, happy with it on balance. So the, the actual route planner I used was mainly Strava, actually. So Strava route planner did okay. Um, yep. it, it gets a little bit funny, I think, when you do such a big route and you sort of try and edit it because it doesn't really like doing edits that well, but um, it was all right. And then just a pile of zoom in and outs of like Google Maps just to sort of try and work out where the services were, which we can talk about later. Now, tell me <laughs> about uh, the next thing was weather. You've got this awesome app, right? Tell me about that. I, I would go so far as to call it epic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this was, I was put onto this actually by uh, a, a client on one of uh, one of my trips reduced this this map for me uh, for a day of riding through Morocco. And Morocco is very exposed uh, in on some of the days that we ride there. And he produced this map with loads of wind arrows getting bigger and bigger through the day, um, bigger and bigger in the opposite direction to the way we were traveling. And uh, it set the scene for a, a very difficult day. But, um, yeah, it's called Epic Ride Weather. And... Uh, it's brilliant. You can plug in a Strava route or a GPX file and tell them what time you're leaving and roughly how far you ride. And then it will apply the weather all the way around the route at the time that you're expected to be there. Um, whereas, I don't know about you, but I used to just, you know, right, what's the weather going to be like in St. Albans mid-morning? and What's it going to be like in Dartford mid-afternoon? And then kind of work it out from that. And um so i literally yeah, it, did it, less than that i was like on met office in london and it was like okay there's a <laughs> there's a southeasterly or there's a sort of northeasterly blowing most of the day of a fairly light breeze that'll do <laughs> let's do that but the 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 
the wind information was actually pretty spot on, wasn't it? It was sort of yeah. mild headwind through the morning and then in the afternoon, uh, it more and more of a tailwind. It was great. I think there was that, you know, because it also hadn't rained for like two months properly. And the day we decided to do this was like forecast for a torrential downpour all day. Um, well, that's, you know, that traditional Monday forecast. And then by the time of Sunday, Monday, and then as it got closer, it appeared as though the gardeners were going to be disappointed, <laughs> which thank God for that it was. Um, yeah. Because we literally didn't get rained on until the last, like, very little bit and uh, the very last sort of 30K. It was almost refreshing to actually get us. <laughs> yeah, it was all right, wasn't it? It wasn't downpour and storm. It was kind of, you know, a little bit of rain and it was all right. No complaints. Now, we've mentioned we both used the Wahoo. You had the, the Rome. I had the Bolt. And aside from a little reset, they did pretty well. Um, yeah. I obviously decided that it was time to, well, that I wanted to use the live track function, which didn't work out as well as expected. Um, but maybe if, because I had these questions that I didn't know beforehand, what's, the, what's it going to do to the battery life and does it actually work, right? So this is this live yeah. track thing where you're, your Wahoo talks to your phone and then it's sort of uh, there's a website that people can follow you remotely and see what you're doing. So um, there was a bit of an issue with the Wahoo talking to the phone and sort of syncing with each other, which then made a bit of a problem with people watching that. What was kind of weird is that it actually kept all the stats going through the day. So there was like, but it only recorded like the little line was only say the St Albans for 100k you'd see a line but then you get the total stats up along the top about sort of average speed average you know distance and all that sort of stuff so but yeah it appears as though the answer to the question is it doesn't use your phone battery that much because my phone didn't need charging all day for 12 hours yeah. and it was fine it does use more battery on your wahoo because it was literally if i hadn't have had a battery pack it would have run out with probably 11 hours to go so I reckon 11 hours is about the max you get out of while well, you bolt anyway with um, using live track. Yeah. How many, what percentage did you have left on your thing? On the I still road? had about 20% when I got home, which is staggering. And that was 14 been, hours then? That had been, yeah, been on for 14 hours, um, which is amazing. Good piece of kit. Yeah, which then leads to the fact that, you know, um, we did not have any technical difficulties throughout the entire day. No, we were, we were lucky there. Good bikes, uh, no punctures, which is just dumb luck, really. Um, so, yeah. So I was going to go through, courtesy of our sponsors of Noon Sigma Sport, some of the stuff we use, but you should share the stuff that you use as well, right? So, um Starting from the ground up, I've got the 5,000 GP Continental tyres, tubeless. What were you using? Uh, same thing, but with tubes. Okay. Uh, did you ever use them tubeless or not? I haven't used those, but uh, only on off-road tyres. Okay. Um, because your rims are tubeless or they're not? They're compatible, but I just have never done it. Never, yeah. uh, never so, set up my road tyres like that. 
I've uh, these have been on the on the wheels for about four months now, and they're definitely rolling to the point where the the little sort of indicators are almost disappeared. So I was almost like, well, should I be riding three hundred k on these things that have kind of worn, <laughs> and they don't have tubes in them? And the sealant that I put in there three or four months ago are probably is probably dry. <laughs> probably expired. <laughs> it surely would have been dry by now. So, um, but you know, I'm like, oh, uh, there were no nicks. They're in pretty good condition. I thought, let's just give it a go. But yeah, those tires have been phenomenal. No punctures. Um, have you ever had a puncture in your five thousands? And yes, but not nearly as many as I used to get on the on the four thousands. Okay. Uh, you went. They're much stronger, like the sidewalls. I'm a uh, a heavier rider, should we say? I, and you've gone a bit quiet. Are you putting your finger over the microphone? Uh, maybe. Is that yeah. better? Yeah. There we go. That's better. Um, yeah. New tires, really good. Really good. Um, strong all so, around. Yeah. And um, so yeah, no punctures. Um, uh, I was obviously riding the rims of the MV 5.6 wheels. Um, which Beautifully is five... displayed behind you. <clears throat> I thought <laughs> I would hang it on the wall for everyone to see. Uh, that is 500 mil, 600 mil. Is that right? Uh, and, you know, and the frame obviously is the Aero um, System 6 Cannondale. Um, and we had that discussion um, as we were rolling around because uh, what? Tell us what wheels you've got and what frame you're, you're riding. Uh, so I was on a Trekmadone with the uh, Aeolus six wheels, which are a Trek in-house Bontrager wheel. Not dissimilar to the machine you've got behind you. Two uh, different takes on the American Aero road bike. Um, Something I've had a, uh, had variants of this bike for a few years and get on really well with it. <laughs> Thank you, Tobias. I always get my millimeters and my centimeters mixed up. That would be <laughs> a five centimeter rim at the front <laughs> and a six centimeter rim at the back. Yeah. Um, no, it's great. And that's disc. We're both ro rolling discs, which is obviously just like, you know, I'm I'm done with pads, uh, you know. Like uh, I, I still have a bike or two with them, but it's like such a difference, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's sort of. I'm sure it's not long now before we say, uh, you know, remember how we used to rub pieces of rubber on our wheels to slow them down? <laughs> it'll it'll be like the the car drum brake. You know, we'll look back on it and think, oh, those were cute. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron Fraser. Thankfully, these uh, comments do not uh, carry on live uh, in the recording. <laughs> um, now, anyway, what we were talking about, though, is, uh, you know, I, I was thinking surely this is not a great idea if it's like a 300K outing to go on a bike that is not as light as some, but you know, and deep wheels, um, surely that's not a great idea. And I think, what, what did you say to that though? Uh, I remember talking to, uh, the great cycle doctor one, also known as, uh, Bruce Barkley, a man who travels some distance on his bike. Uh, and he'll obviously still be riding, year year. He'll, he'll be riding right now. So he won't be riding right now. 
Um, <clears throat> and I think he's probably done more Ks this year so far than I have in the last three, um, <laughs> which is incredible. Um, and he's always talked about, you know, you, when he's gone for some of these records, he's ridden fa- the faster bike over maybe the lighter or the more comfortable bike because you get those three, four Ks an hour that help you get further. Get and more that's done at the same time. And that's literally what we uh, experienced, I think, was that, you know, probably our average speed was two or three Ks higher than people would have expected. But, well, you know, a, a fair bit of that is down to the fact that when you're just in a straight line, just like grinding it out, you, you are sitting at 35 Ks an hour, um, whereas maybe normally you'd be sitting at 31, 32, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been telling people it's ability, but uh, th- that's not the truth. <laughs> 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 Obviously, our strength is it's momentum. Uh, momentum. Mm, case, well, but, uh, it's certainly momentum in your case. Yeah. <laughs> um, hang on. We had a shout out to Nick from the Cinnamon Cafe. Now, hey, Nick. It was seven a.m., was it, when we passed by Windsor Castle? It was. It was pretty quiet in Windsor at that time. Yeah, there was nothing going on. Uh, Liz was not on the street to wave us past which was disappointing Mm, i thought i'd teed that up you know but uh obviously not um what else (laughs) but uh more more Um, to the point there was no there was no cinnamon bun to be had that was disappointing we it we would have loved a bit of fresh cinnamon bun at seven o'clock in the morning especially if we had fired up the espresso machine now, oh, we may news. have the coffee machine on next time you pass. I did hear a rumour that the Cinnamon Cafe, soon to be our new sponsors, <clears throat> um, will be open soon. Yeah, good luck with that, Nick, because I'm sure it's been a really hard time not being able to open the doors because I can imagine you've got the challenge of dealing with the landlords in that sort of space as well, hey? So, anyway. Um, anyway, so moving on, uh, what power were you using? What power meter? uh stages i think like your good self yeah so uh i've just got the and that was you know did yours actually work fine did i see it went a bit sketchy towards the end or was it okay i don't think i i haven't noticed any problems yes maybe it was just the fact that you did as we were talking about uh a bit of free wheeling once things got to 40 or 30 k's an hour right <laughs> yeah uh what Didn't was the Lawrence... energy to push didn't Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Carpenter said uh, something? Lawrence had a rule about bike packing, I think it was, that was, you know, we don't pedal above 30 or it might have been 35 k's an hour. There's no point, just keep. But we, we did not obey those rules. We, we just, we kept pushing on. Um, yeah. A25 was, I think we, we top 10 in the on the a25 which goes to show that not many people ride the a25 in its in its entirety west to east wonder why that is ridiculous though to think that uh you know kilometers 220 to 230 or whatever it was uh um we managed to get a top 10 time i'm pretty sure it's due to the fact that we were not flying but not many people there are so many other great roads around there. Why would you go down the A25? <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. No, there was there was plenty of trucks and stuff uh, making good headway along there. So Now, 
two other things on here is the um, the fabric stuff you were talking about. I've got the bar tape and the saddle. Um, yeah, I was asking about that. So the, uh, the 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 fabric bar tape was awesome, pretty grippy, comfy, and um, that saddle, which I have the old groove down the middle, seemed to do a great trip of a uh, great trick of uh, sorting it out. Did we get any KOMs? Hmm. I didn't. Did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have well, been remarkable. I mean, uh, that would have so, been on a on a some sort of segment in a field in Essex where we'd gone the wrong way, and yeah. only one person had ever done it. Yeah, uh, I think that's uh, what what was the 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 point of the day was that if you actually didn't get past zone two, your body could just kind of roll forever, right? It didn't feel like that at the end of the day, but that was all right. That was the plan. Well, in that A25 stretch, though, I thought for sure I would have had some cramp happening in the old left hamstring, which is my classic crampy spot. Um, I was kind of getting a verge of a, of, a, of a cramp on the outside of my right calf, but you, any of that stuff going on for you? Too young? Uh, I always get tight in those shoulders. Um sort of upper back if only if only a chiropractor had been available yes one of, we have to speak <laughs> to one of our other sponsors <clears throat> um no it's, it's sort of achy you know everyone gets their thing that's my thing i sort of lie on the floor a bit when i get home roll roll a bit mm. Maybe we do need to do that thing of um, so potentially the fastest lap of the M25 ever. That's definitely yeah. We need to create a segment called the M25, <laughs> and that'll be the com for sure. Um, anyway, uh, and then last thing on that was the three T bar and stems, which are pretty comfy. Especially I, I noticed a video you took of me where every now and then I'd kind of get the old forearms onto the handlebars in a not legal position but it helped in the last few k just going to get the head out of the wind so yeah yeah um now actually the other thing that surprised me was my feet um i've got the worst feet on the planet as far as like a weird shape and um but my cities did the job um so i was using the uh, i think i was using the wire twos which have just got a um a nice little sort of strap that goes over the top of the arch, which allows it to be sort of not compressed too much and therefore keep the blood flowing to the toes. And I use these just not really custom, but sort of, yeah, they're actually just off the shelf, but they're called form photics, uh, internal footbed things. So that sort of works well when you've got a really high arch and you just want to sort of fill underneath there. But anyway, that's the only difference that I have with the, the, the city shoes, but I definitely recommend city shoes, especially if, like, I've got this really high arch and what I thought was a fairly wide foot. And I thought there's a reputation at one point saying that cities were bad for that type, for that foot type. But no, I mean, uh, they were great. So, and I know you love your shoes though. What have you got? I, I have a set of Shimano's just because they do a wide fit and they've worked for me in the past and have the fear of changing. But, um, I definitely need to get myself some properly made uh, insoles because I know there's room in there that should, where there shouldn't be. Um, 
as a bike fitter and I just need to go and see someone, you know, maybe the guys up at, at cycle fit or, you know, some of the, I know they do them at, uh, at Sigma, um, you know, get some proper custom orthotics made. I know that would make a difference and it's mm. just ponying up for proper orthotics instead of buying something shiny for your bike, a weakness. Yeah. Uh, you should go and say Jimmy because he worked at CycleFit and now he's worked at Sigma. Jimmy's the man. That's 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 the main reason to go and see Jimmy. He's just he, he does the bike fitting without sort of the ego, if you know what I mean. And he's just been doing it for so long. He's literally done every bit of bike fitting known to mankind. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he's someone you should definitely see. Now, um, now I know you you love a bit of Rafa. But um, how was the gooch? <laughs> no, uh, no, no problems there. Because no. I, I thought it would have been one of the more challenging areas of ten hours in the saddle. But um, no, the Castelli, um, I think what are they called? Aero free short uh, was amazing, and just the right amount of chamois cream. on this fabric saddle perfect the uh yeah. i must say this year's kit looks very sharp yeah I, it was two years ago i think it was last season they brought out the new chamois and the castelli stuff and um it was definitely an upgrade and as i proved 10 hours unchanged perfect not a problem so yeah it's good stuff now, and I was wearing the HJC helmet, which had plenty of aero holes for my hot head. So, yeah. And what were you, you were in the Giro or something, right? Yeah, an old Giro that someone left in a van. <laughs> uh, I've bought various expensive helmets over the last few years, and uh, this old one that I used in a pinch has become my favourite. But, yeah. uh, you know... I guess it's one of those things like shoes. When you find the one that works for you, stick with it. Now, what? Um, anything else? Did I miss any other kit? Okay. No. There was the odd. Uh, well, we haven't talked about nutrition. We'll go into food for sure. The I think the big thing of going back to your thing of hey, it's just a bike ride. What's the worst? We had that conversation of saying hey, is it going to rain tomorrow? How cold is it going to be? What are you going to wear? And both of us are on that ilk that we're like the worst thing you can do is just be carrying a rain cape in your back pocket for the <laughs> entire day to not use it right and so anyway we we took the risk and decided that we would be happier to freeze and shiver on the side of the road in a torrential <laughs> downpour than to have to carry extra crap in our back pockets so yeah and it paid um, off so it was yeah it was all right i mean uh I'm very, very aware that it could have gone the other way and we could have been, you know, annoyed with ourselves for leaving important kit behind. But uh, we got away with it is, is, what, is how I'd put it. Yeah. And, you know, there's that whole idea of, like, if you're going to do a bike ride, long bike ride, do you need, like, a an extra large saddle bag or, like, your handlebar bags or the, you know. And, and yeah, if you're going to do the trans-European yeah. and you have to camp out... <laughs> Yes. Uh, however, um, 
yeah, I love that. I, the fact that we literally head off with a phone and a few bars and gels and that was it. Yeah, I guess the only thing that you that we had that was different to a, a Saturday ride was you had a little battery charger to get you through. But mm. I mean, people head out with two bars and you know uh, a gel uh, for a for a normal ride. So you know we didn't we didn't look like we were out for. I know there were people that we went past that we overtook on the bike, and I'm sure they looked across at us and went they won't keep that up for long <laughs> <laughs> or they may be going faster, but I'll be going longer than them. And, uh, yeah, these are the guys in their like raincoats and like, you know, winter gear. Yeah. And... We were definitely dressed for summer and no one else was. No, <laughs> we kind of had <laughs> that vague idea. It was going to be 15 degrees, which is great. Cause if it had been the day before, it would have been like 25 and we would have had salt stains everywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, it would have been. Yeah a bit melty we'd have been sunburned all sorts yeah. you'd have had a, a mega tan line on the of the head <laughs> yeah i didn't put sun cream on the head so that would have been <laughs> a disaster um i had in my pockets three cliff bars the blueberry crisp ones the uh and i think it was only two shots uh two of these like um little gels that cliff bar do and um some noon tablets because i had some in the in the bottle um before i left and I, I put a couple in the back pocket for halfway around. So, um, and then our, our plan was to then refuel. So I also counted it up. We did five stops. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Is that including the crossing? I kind of included the lunch stop and the crossing stop in as, as yeah. one stop. So it was Slough because obviously we were hoping to get something in Windsor. Nick let Nothing us down. There. Nothing yeah. there. <laughs> Stopped at a random SO servo in Slough and got a lovely machine Starbuck coffee. <laughs> it was quite and, it was quite strong that. It was kind of Yeah, it was all right. Surprisingly. Dodgy little servo. Uh, then so my first plan was to go go to the one in Egham and that was closed because it was too early. And then uh, the the second one in St Albans was also closed because they were stocking the shelves. But thank God that was closed because we ended up at the St Albans Gales, which was like uh, uh, that was, was a it? morale boost. I would say that was the biggest morale boost of the day. We were like, you know, a hundred k in to three hundred, and uh, to have a nice uh, what did you have? You know, a nice big blueberry muffin. Mm. And I had a almond croissant and a nice little coffee was and St Albans Town Centre was beautiful. We sat down, there was no one yeah. around. Yeah. Had a little chat to the local who was impressed with our speed weapons and uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh then yeah, on the railway track out of town, that was a nice little touch out of St Albans. But then yeah, uh, yeah sort of somewhere near um Harlow we ended up stopping as well at our other sponsor for the day, Spa Supermarkets. <laughs> yeah um and then we didn't need another one until we got to yeah the qe2 bridge but then we did stop and i did have to queue damn it um hi jacob how are you mate um we had to queue uh in the tesco uh, express to get like as much food as we could possibly throw in a bag but like real food sandwiches that was, uh, and that juices was a serious and... smash and grab from you there i was uh 
I was bike bike heavy. I was uh, stopping the people of uh, of Harlow from stealing our bikes. Uh, from uh, of Thurrock, even Thurrock. Sorry, the people yeah. of Thurrock. Yeah, I don't think the people of Harlow would have stolen the bikes, but the people no, of Harlow definitely would have. No, no disrespect to the people of Harlow. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, then we obviously grabbed, smashed and grabbed all we could get. Had lunch over the bridge, got the lift, and then yeah, I was definitely feeling it along the A25. And at the end of the A25 was Godston, and that's where we found the Shell Servo, where I needed another coffee and some other real food, and then that was enough to get us home for a beer for the other very important food group. Yeah, you got your fruits, your vegetables, and your beers. Um, there was, I mean, there were, there was, we were so lucky with that Gales, but I mean, the, the number of food choices on that route, we probably had 5% of the, of the usual available to us because of, uh, these yeah. troubling times. So it was, as you call it beforehand, the, the tour de servo, mm. um, many a servo sanger was consumed, but just trying to eat something that wasn't you know, sugary, sweet. Mm. What beer was it? Well, that was a very good. Um, so it, it was a, um, what's a brewery called again? Um, uh, was it Lagunitas? Lagunitas, which, as we were talking about um, on the route, was a, is a Chicago brewery. And I've actually been to the brewery in Chicago uh, late last year with Luke Brady. And, um, yeah, it was great. Um, an IPA, I believe, the Lagunitas IPA. It, it, went, it went down far too quickly. It was, yeah. it was much needed. I think it's got 7% alcohol in it too, by the way. I don't know if I told you that. but um, Wow, yeah. that's why the ride back was good. <laughs> that's great. Now, we should, I think, what else were, um, no, um, so we had the beer and then, and then that was it. Then you had to ride home. So that's about all we needed to talk about today. Was there anything else we um, we hastened to mention? No. Uh, <clears throat> we just need to decide what we're going to do next. All right. Yeah, well, <laughs> like it was definitely, as I said earlier, like 200K was my known limit, 300. I think. You know, I guess uh, I think I blame you for that fact. There's no doubt that oh, that's the question. Well, not, another question I had was that did you actually do it in the big ring all the way around? Because I didn't see you at all in the small ring. I think the data exists, but I, I did <clears throat> use the small ring uh, ah. a, a couple of times. Because uh, what was your phrase to get to the top of a hill? <laughs> My friend Jacob reminded me that I once said this. He's been following it for years, and I—it's uh, like if you if you can see the top of the hill and you're in the big ring, just stand up and be a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't remember to, yeah, saying, no. but has been attributed to to me. But uh, yeah. and it's I think... not. It wasn't. The, hey, it wasn't the hilliest route. Um, but mm. I think we still clocked up three thousand odd meters, didn't we? Yeah. Just inevitably over the day. But I mean, it highlights the fact that the um, yeah, every time I hit a hill, I just whacked it straight, straight in the small ring. And because you love a cadence that sits around seventy-five for the entire day, <laughs> and I'm sitting on ninety for as much as I can or, or above. And but yeah, just grind but, it out, mate. 
that video you made of like um uh a uh a sort of sequence of you on the front and me on the front you know it shows two very opposing schools of cadence yeah there was spin to win and there was uh slow and steady now we should round this out nicely because i'm sure our thousands of fans listening <laughs> have other things that they need to do right now and don't worry this is going to live in the archives of the cairo london podcast anyway we will be turning this into a podcast for those that are on the turbo trainers and can't be dealing with um instagram live or instagram tv as this will probably live on um how about the fact that i found the name of that movie yeah, that was good. That was a strange sequence of some odd piece of movie rolling into my head, and then you found out what it is. It looks extraordinary, like the you... worst of the eighties <laughs> is encapsulated in that movie. What like, what was it called? Uh, Spanish Fly is the name Spanish of the movie. Spanish Fly, right? And Terry, what's his name? The captain, Terry Thomas, I think his name was. Oh. Uh, yeah, with the big gap tooth at the front. Yeah. Now, as, um, as uh, I'm pretty old, but, like, I have no idea who Terry Thomas is and Spanish Fly, but it was obviously along the ilk of the uh, carry-on movies, right? Yeah. Now, <clears throat> um, uh, it, it was also at a time when that – I think they call it a – I don't know what they call it, but it's kind of like the carry-on style of non-PC sort of comedy sex movie or something. Yeah. Um, I, anyway, a bizarre, like when you watch the It looks, yeah, it trailer. hasn't aged well. Uh, in the in the Me Too era, it's not, uh, I wouldn't mm. say it's a winner. But, oh, my God. Um, no. I mean, <laughs> it's like, it must be like so cringy to that. Yeah, anyway. But it did get us around. Do you care to fancy, uh, fancy to sort of share a uh, phrase that got us around from uh, the captain? <laughs> uh, it's a bizarre scene where uh, I don't even – we haven't seen the movie, so we don't quite get it, but it, it, he's, his servant comes to tell him that they've run out of tonic. <laughs> run out of tonic? Um, and it's – don't you know the British Empire was <laughs> built on tonic? Or no, you know, you say gin to deal with the, what was it? I think it was gin to deal with the boredom of exile and tonic to fight malaria. <laughs> the quinine in tonic to fight malaria. That's right. Go um, before I strike you. Yeah. Uh, that, I think that that's a good tip for an endurance bike ride. You need something to laugh at all the way around. And that mm. kept us giggling. Right. Kept the, mood, kept the mood light. Yeah. Okay, mate. Well, look, thanks for joining in on this lazy Saturday afternoon. Yeah, rainy Saturday afternoon. It looks a little bit like Wednesday afternoon. Um, yeah. Around about Dorking. Yeah. Going back into familiar territory and uh, finish line in sight. And I guess actually the last thing I should say is if anyone did make it through to the very end of this podcast, they will obviously be receiving a huge prize um, in the form of, no, only joking, um, a, yes, 
contact me, you can have a, <laughs> I will hand deliver via my bicycle a tube of noon to anyone who, oh, Tobias is still here. Right. Go on, Tobias. He, he wins the noon active um, capsule, which will be delivered next week. Um, and, uh, uh, however, um, no, obviously I did it for a great charity and for a great cause, which is the Duchenne's Dash Mob, uh, of whom uh, they're, they're actually doing an inside, like, stay-at-home 300K ride on Zwift this Friday, like as in next week, um, and they're doing 100K on Friday night and 200K on Saturday morning. And I fear for them in the fact that I'm pretty sure the technology is going to get the better of them. Um, because it sounds like a pretty massive effort to actually get a few people trying to do a Zwift race or not race, but like a, uh, a group ride. But anyway, I wish them all the best. Yeah. Um, and, um, a little group fundraiser, which, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of started at zero and it's actually up to about seven grand. Um, a nice. fairly one guy left a fair chunk of, uh, cash, which was phenomenal, but, um, uh, that was just draw a little bit of uh, attention to the muscular dystrophy of Duchenne's, which uh, is a pretty horrific little thing for the lads who get it. They, um, their lifespan is reduced fairly significantly. And, yeah, you can find actually still on my Instagram uh, tag or uh, link in the bio is the link to the Jamie's Dashes 2020 um, fundraising page. So, anyway, signing off. Mate, thanks for joining me. I'll let you get back to your good wife who is now five weeks away from having your first child. Is that right? Yeah. Cycling time is about to nosedive, but uh, it's a very special time. And uh, mm. we can get a, get the little, uh, get the little guy or girl on a, on a bike soon enough. Yeah. You may want to make sure that turbo trainer is set up properly for you. Uh, Cause you may be <laughs> sort of doing a bit more Zwifting yourself. Um, yeah. And certainly your long rides. I, I didn't share this with you, but um, my wife went into labor when Gail went into labor the first time she, I was in Richmond park and I got the call when I was at um, Kingston gate, which is probably the furthest point. Cause I was like, look, you'll be fine. I'll just do a couple laps of the park and come home. And then she rang and I'm like, I'm in labor. Get home now, and that's when you did your fastest ever half lap of Richmond ever Park. half lap of the park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up over go, Dark go, go. Hill. Go, we gotta go. Yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, all right, mate. Well, wish me luck. Thanks for that. Uh, great ride. Great to join you. Glad we could do something for uh, for Duchenne, and uh, we'll get uh, get plotting on the next adventure. Yeah, what is the next adventure? Anyway, it, it was certainly a nice. I haven't seen many laps of London like that done, so it was a nice, nice thing, you know. Yeah, something, and, uh, something, something a bit different, and something uh, we could do from from home. So, uh, mm. yeah, we'll get plotting. Yeah, all right, mate. Nice, nice one. one. See you later. Bye.